Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This podcast is sponsored by SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard, where you can get a two-week free trial of the system that brings sanity back to your inbox. More on that coming up. First, though, it's always an honor to welcome former Assistant Secretary of State and current Senior Fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations, Elliot Abrams, to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, it's great to be back. Uh, You had an interesting piece in the Weekly Standard about Syria and what Uh, Donald Trump may be learning as president. Uh, How's the learning curve going, in your opinion? Well, I think it's going pretty well. What I argued in the piece is that he he became commander-in-chief in a very dramatic way when he did the strike on Syria, but also that there's something new here, which is this leader of the free world title, which I think he was really rejecting with the theory during the campaign that now that stuff just means burdens, responsibilities. It's bad for us. It's too expensive. And I think what he did last week was was take on that role because the explanations that he and Tillerson and Mattis have given are, look, chemical weapons are outlawed by international law. That's got to be enforced. We will enforce it on behalf of the international community. The international community, uh, Tillerson's phrase that you never heard during the Trump campaign, for sure. So international community is not a synonym for America first? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) Um, It is not a synonym for America first. And I think what's happening here is that uh, the administration is beginning to see that if you want America to be the great country that it has been, we're going to make America great again. Leadership in the world is part of that. Uh, Being the leader of the free world is part of that, showing that we care about issues like the gassing of children is part of making America great again. It's interesting to see how uh, many people who are Trump supporters are very comfortable with this action. It's as though he's touched a nerve with the American people that Part of their vision of America first is that America is not the kind of country that just sits by and watches as children are gassed with sarin. I think that's right. And, you know, you can get to the to the Walter Russell Mead Jacksonian question here about uh, Jacksonian Americans who don't want America bogged down in endless wars, but do believe this is the greatest country. Um, and I, I think that, that the country really did respond. Frankly, I think it would have responded to Obama on this, too. Um, the president acted. He didn't get us into a war. He just acted, and he did it in a way that I think will make most Americans feel good about their country. We have this great power. With power comes responsibility. What kind of responsibility? Well, to do exactly this kind of thing. So I think it's been popular, and you've seen that, of course, in (laughs) very even rewarding to see the number of Obama officials who have come out Uh, and said this was the right thing to do. There was an interesting piece in the Wall Street Journal that reported that people around the Syria deal that the Russians made when President Obama was looking for an out knew that because of the way the deal was cut, they were only removing the declared weapons. There was no looking for other weapons, no uh, follow-up, etc., that there were certainly still chemical weapons in Assad's hands after the deal was, quote, enforced. And uh, interestingly, one of the people involved who's now upset that they're getting blowback, one of the people involved in supporting it, said, don't look at us, quote, 
the Obama administration seemed quite comfortable with the knowledge that Assad still had weapons. That seems like an indictment to me of the Obama strategy that's pretty astonishing. I think it is an indictment, and the particular indictment, I think, is they misled the American people. If you go look at what uh, President Obama said or what Susan Rice said back then, they didn't say, well, you know, we got most of it. They said, we've gotten the chemical weapons out of Syria, and they knew that wasn't true. We didn't. We got a lot of them out, but, but there were still plenty left. And so they really did mislead the American people by way of, of aggrandizing themselves and taking credit for a crummy deal that was really meant to rescue Barack Obama when, when he wouldn't enforce his red line. So now people are asking who will rescue President Trump when, by deciding to act, he inevitably, and this is the way it's presented, inevitably finds himself in a quagmire, particularly given that the administration seems to be trying to move forward on, can we get Russia on board for a way to remove Assad? Do you think that that that's the drift that the administration is, that's the path they're, they're drifting towards? Or do you think they actually do, are putting together a, an affirmative plan? Yes, we are going to dump Assad, and if Russia does X, Y, and Z, it'll happen. Or is this more of uh, whether it's intentional or not, uh, a strategic ambiguity? I think the administration is not going to get into a quagmire here. Uh, I think what they're doing is responding to the, to the mess and quagmire, frankly, that Barack Obama left, uh, which is a disaster. You know, half a million dead, six million refugees, destabilizing politics in Europe. What they're saying, it seems to me, is first... Uh, we're going to enforce this red line, and we're not going to let Assad murder with gas um, whatever number of people, innocent civilians, he wishes to murder. Second, we also have about a 1,000 uh, men on the ground in Syria trying to strengthen the non-jihadi rebels. What I think this administration has figured out is something that John Kerry, for all his years as chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and four years as Secretary of State, couldn't figure out, and that is... You will never win at the conference table what you have not won on the battlefield. So he was going over to Geneva and saying to the Russians, you should do this and you should do that, and they laughed at him. We are trying to change the balance within Syria so as to create a possibility, I think, for a negotiation down the road. And the administration has been very clear that at the end of that road, Assad has to go. Now, this may not work, but I think it's a sensible plan. It's the only way to move forward right now, and it is not going to get us into another Iraq war with 150,000 soldiers on the ground. One last question, post-Assad, are there people that the average American has never heard of, or are there l- large, powerful families that, where if Russia said, you know what, okay, fine, Assad, he won't be our client anymore, here's client B, let's go to the next shelf here on the store of acceptable dictators. Do those forces exist, or would it be Assad goes away and then there's a desperate political knife fight for someone to rise and take his place? Well, one thing we know uh, is that uh, the government of Syria cannot be an Alawite government um, in the future. Uh, Assad is an Alawite that is a small sect in Syria, maybe 10% of the population. It's a majority Sunni country. And any legitimate government of Syria is going to have to be a Sunni government. Now, I don't know of any, you know, Nelson Mandela, George Washington type there, but there are 
non-jihadi rebel groups. These are the people President Obama laughed at and said, oh, they're a bunch of pharmacists. And, and they're not. They've been fighting for their country now for about seven years, and they are still fighting. So I think, obviously, there's going to have to be a kind of coalition because minorities, Druze, Christian, uh, Alawite, are going to have to be protected. And I think that what Secretary Tillerson said, which is that you start by uh, tiny, if you will, ceasefires, uh, small ceasefires in one area and then another area, and you allow local governments to secure those areas and to govern in those areas, and you kind of build up to a national government. I don't think there's going to be a kind of easy answer here where you're going to see some great leader uh, emerge. Serious politics are much too bloody for that now. But I think it is possible to uh, to look ahead a few years where you could have a much more stable Syria, where the killing is over, and where there are, uh, in a sense, zones of interest with local, regional, provincial governments that can actually govern. I don't think you're going to have a very strong central government uh, that's going to rule every square inch of that country. Zones of interest sounds an awful lot like partition. I would call it soft partition in the sense that I think there will be one Syria, not five different countries. But you're going to have, I think, um, a much weaker central government. People, people's experience in Syria with central government is that it kills them. So I think you're going to have a, a weaker central government uh, with zones. <clears throat> and one of those zones may be an Alawite zone that has uh, substantial Russian uh, influence. I think we can live with that in the context of a, a settlement of this horrendously bloody civil war. Elliot Abrams, thanks so much for joining us for the podcast. It's always a delight to have you on. Thanks very much. This podcast was brought to you by SaneBox.com. How many emails do you have in your inbox right now? A hundred? A thousand? Twenty thousand? If your email is anything like mine used to be, the answer is way too many. But even though I knew I wanted to do something about it, I didn't know how. I was afraid of missing important emails if I just went through and started randomly deleting them. But there were too many for me to go through one at a time. Then I discovered the secret to reaching Inbox Zero and taking back my email sanity. It's called SaneBox.com. SaneBox sorts through your email, moves all the trivial stuff to a different folder, so the only messages when you look in your inbox are the messages you want to see there. Aside from removing the junk so you can focus on the messages that matter, there's also a great feature called the black hole. Move an email into that folder, and you'll never hear from that sender again. That's right. I'll let your imagination run free with that for a second. Look, we could all use more organization in our email life. And so we've worked out a great deal for our listeners. Visit SaneBox.com slash Weekly Standard today. Not only can you try it for two weeks absolutely free, but they'll throw in an extra $25 credit on top. You don't even have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy. And I predict you will. So there's really nothing to lose. Check it out today. Let me know if you love the black hole and reaching inbox zero as much as I do. That's sanebox.com slash weekly standard for your two-week free trial and a $25 credit. Sanebox.com slash weekly standard. You've been listening to the Daily Standard Podcast every weekday from the Weekly Standard. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast at iTunes.com or Google Play. Give us a five-star rating. Let people know you found out about it. Leave a review. We want to hear from you. And don't forget, every Friday, it's the Crystal Clear edition of the podcast with Bill Crystal. Thanks again for listening. I'm your host, Michael Graham.